Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fearful UK Show. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK show. On today's show I am joined by Jay Peplow and we will be reviewing the Seahawks game. Hello Jay. Good evening guys. How are you doing? Very good. A um, bit battered and bruised um, mentally after Sunday's game. Uh, sorry, Monday night's game. Yeah, um, it's easy to but, forget that was Monday night. Yeah, it, it's, gone, it's a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a long time ago, uh, and yeah. I understand the whole battered and bruised analogy. I've never, in the uh, 30 plus years that I've been following and watching the Niners, had so many mixed emotions throughout a game. It was crazy. Yeah, you're not wrong there. So, whereabouts in the UK are you from, Jay? Um, I am uh, living or based down in South Wales, um, in the lovely city, as they call it, of Newport, but originally from Bournemouth down on the south coast. All right. So, how did you become a 49ers fan? Um, I've told this story to so many people so many times, it, it's, it's so easy to tell. Um, my first game, I can't tell you who it was I was watching, but I was... Uh, watching it on a 14-inch black-and-white dial-tune TV in my grandma and granddad's bedroom. Um, had no idea what the game was, nothing what it was all about. This is back in 1986. Yeah. Um, and I just took a liking to San Francisco at that time. Um, and that's how I got into the NFL and the 49ers. Fantastic. Have you ever <laughs> been to San Francisco? I regrettably haven't. Um, I've not set foot on American soil, um, but that is all hopefully going to change in the next 12 months or so. Well, it's a good time to go when we've got a really good team that's playing. Um, it'll definitely make a, a difference to the atmosphere. Definitely. I mean, if I can get to a game where the atmosphere is anything like what it was on Monday night, um, it would be an absolute honour. Yeah, the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. I've never, ever heard Levi's as loud as that. It, it, it sounded as if we were in Seattle. You know, the, the, the 12th man that they always harp on about um, was in Levi's. Um, and you could see that the, the Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson, was having some issues um, when it came to play calling. And that's always a good thing to see, especially in a massive open-air stadium like Levi's is. Yeah, you're not wrong there. I'm actually going to pick up on something that um, was going to lead us off down a rabbit hole a little bit. But okay. when you mentioned about um, Russell Wilson struggling with some of the player calling, yeah, that was correct. I noticed that, but it was later on, I think it was the second half, where he started having issues. In the first half, what I picked up on, the crowd was really loud. But as soon as they got to the lineup, to the line of scrimmage, after they broke the huddle, the crowd quietened down. And I thought, no, no, you don't need to quiet down at this yeah. point. This point, you need to get louder so they can't hear the snap count. That, that's how they get I, so many penalties up in uh, Central Link Field. I, I noticed it as well. Um, it, it seemed like some of, well, maybe they didn't realise that the noise had to be continuous. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. don't need, we don't need to hear anything. 
you know, when we, we can we can attack when they go. You know, the, the defensive line is is good enough and quick enough to be able to act on movement um, and hopefully not draw a penalty. But definitely, I think if that noise had continued up until the lineup and past, I think his, he would have struggled a hell of a lot more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's quite surprising that um, obviously for a large base of Americans watching the game, they don't understand <laughs> when to stop making the noise and when not to stop making the noise. <laughs> It beggars belief. And they have a go at the Brits saying, oh, well, you don't understand the game. Well, we certainly understand when to make some noise. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was something I, I picked up in the first half, but it did improve in the second half. It did improve in the second half when we were on a comeback. I did notice that um, when we went for 21 unanswered points, which is horrible to say, um, it, it did quieten down a bit. And then we had that marvellous passage of play where we started drawing it back um, and the stadium came to life again um, and it was as loud as it was in, in the first half. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay then, so on to the game review. So it finally happened. We took our first loss of the season and it just had to be the Pigeons didn't it? And it just had to be at the very end of overtime on a 1am kickoff. <laughs> Needless to say, I think most of the UK EU based fans will have probably have had an early night last night. I know I did because I was absolutely shattered. I didn't get to bed yeah. until half five yesterday morning after that game. <laughs> I, I was exactly the same. I had, um, I had to be up at work, well, up for work at half past seven on the Tuesday. Yeah, that um, was me as well. Yeah, and, and I certainly felt it. I was, I think I was five minutes late and the boss said something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it does drain you a bit. It does. And, and that game particularly as well, um, on the, the thread you put up on the Facebook, I, I was, I said at the end, I said, you can either call me Mr. Naive or Mr. Positivity. But right the way throughout that game, I, I still thought we had it. And when it came down to that final kick, you know, it's, but the emotions that went through that game were absolutely unreal. Yeah, it was definitely and a roller coaster. It was, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a rubbish start initially. Um, and then all of a sudden we seem to peak throughout the first half um, and everybody was loving it. And then the Seahawks started, you know, nudging their beaks back in front again. And then it looked like all was doomed for. And then we went back up to the top of the mountain again on on the on the touchdown to get us back in. And it was like, I, I can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tell us about it. It's much better than the previous four years we've had, mind you. So I'd rather have the roller coaster than being stood in the queue watching everybody else having fun. Yeah, I, I, I think if you're a Forty Niners fan, you, you, if you've been a Forty Niners fan for long enough, you have learned to take the rough with the smooth because we have had some unbelievably rough seasons. Last year being a particular nasty one. Um, but then we've had some incredible seasons when we're when we're hitting back-to-back -back Super Bowls, which is a massive rarity to have. Admittedly, it was a long time ago, but it's still part of the team's history. Yeah, yeah. 
Right then, so let's get stuck into some of the negatives of the game. Um, so okay. the format for the podcast, we'll always go over the negatives first and then give everybody a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling with the positives <laughs> of the game later on. Yeah. So okay. do, do you want to have a stab at the negatives? What negatives did you see from the game? Uh, negatives? <sighs> Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't at his best. Um, but we're also comparing this to the previous eight games where he has been exceptionally good if against a few lesser teams. Um, his protection started off really well. I remember watching in the first quarter um, and his his protection was fantastic. He had plenty of time in the pocket. He didn't have to move about too much, but he had the movement. He had the areas to move to in the pocket if he had to. But then it just seemed that, that offensive line started breaking down um, a little bit later on in the game. Um, another, well, several other negatives effectively were the, was the injury rate, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, I, it was never going to be an easy game. Anybody that thinks that, you know, going up against Seattle was going to be an easy game are massively mistaken. Um, it's, it's probably one of the, if not the hardest rivalry in the NFL I dare to say it's been going on for quite some time now um, and it's always going to be a heavy battle I mean you saw the the Seahawks were taking injuries left right and centre and then we started taking injuries left right and centre and unfortunately I think the uh, Seattle were a little bit deeper in the team roster than we were Yeah it seems to have become a bit of a grudge a grudge match between the two teams and yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we had injuries to key players, um, Sanders and Blair, who, who was being placed on IR. Um, and to be honest, I think this will go under the radar, but Blair is such a huge part of why the defensive line has been so dominant this season. The fact I think that, so too. Yeah, the, the, the fact that the defensive line rotates so often is to ensure that we have a relatively fresh attack all game. And it has worked. Um, yeah. This does, however, open the door for the potential return of Demontre Amua, who looked really good in pre-season and is currently a free agent. So it wouldn't surprise us at all if we actually go knocking on his door and bring him in, because he obviously knows the playbook already. Yeah, I, don't, I think to try and bring um, an outside defensive lineman in that doesn't know the playbook is going to be as detrimental as having an injured defensive lineman. Um, I think if you can get him back in, uh, like you say, he knows the playbook, you know, half your battle was won then straight away. Yeah. So I'll quickly jump back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, so I agree. It wasn't Jimmy's best game by by no means. Um, He did struggle at times. I think Clowney got the better of him or he got into his head. Clowney was on, I hate to say it, he's a Seattle player. He was absolutely on fire. He was. Um, I think it was something like he had um, f- five quarterback hits, one sack, forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, and that's five quarterback hits from one player is definitely going to get into your head, I think. I, I don't care if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, I don't care. If somebody is getting to you and hitting you five times, with the tenacity that he will hit you with to what he's allowed to in this modern era's rules of hitting the quarterback, it's going to get into your head. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, once Clowney got into his rhythm, 
and, and started getting past the likes of uh, Steely and McGlinchey. Jimmy yep. looked very nervous indeed, and I think this affected his throne. Jimmy's interception, which was nullified by a Seahawks penalty, was just a really poor throw. And yep. ironically, the interception <laughs> that actually stood should have been caught. I mean, it may have been a touch <laughs> high, but it still went straight through the middle of Bourne's hands. He, he should yep. be making that catch. They've got um, these lovely sticky gloves on. They need to be grasping that pigskin with all that it's worth. And like I say, be. it was a bit high, but these guys, they, they practice these sort of scenarios. I'm pretty sure they're not out on the practice field practicing perfect passes every single time because they're never going to get that every single time. Yeah. So he, he had a, at least another two throws which could have easily been picked. And his accuracy wasn't particularly great on um, Monday night. So, no. yeah, he, he didn't have that good a game. What one, one other thing I noticed, on a few of the passing players, Jimmy was just staring down his receiver. He, he needs to stop doing that or the in yep. interceptions are going to continue. As long as those eyes, I mean, the, 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 the defence are always going to look at the quarterback's eyes. Um, it's the, the biggest giveaway. Um and if, like I say, if he's staring down at his wide receiver or the, his, his go-to man, they're going to know. They're going to know where it's coming and they're going to be able to pick it off. Yeah. So what did you think of our receiving core? Oh, I mean, your receivers can own... Well, going back to what I've just said, you're never going to get always perfect throws. Um, receivers are only going to be able to catch a ball that is thrown to them in a decent sort of manner, I think. Um, we, would, we were struggling to get separation on the man-to-man -man coverage. Um, the throws were being chucked towards them in a panicked fashion, I think, after Clowney had got into Garofalo's head. Um, it, it wasn't the best, but I think if we had performed like that, or if we were playing somebody else, I, I think we would have come away with a win. But to do that sort of thing against Seattle, I think you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and I think it's the timing and all. I mean, it it became quite obvious once Sanders left. Without Kittle or Sanders playing, our receivers couldn't catch Jack. They, they were no. dropping passes at any well, dropping passes at any any point in the game is bad. But at the time when they should be thinking, just make the catch rather yeah. than thinking about yards after the catch, they came up short time and time again. You've got Pettison Goodwin who combined for six targets and zero catches. Yeah. I, I'm convinced neither of those players will be on the roster come 2020. And I wouldn't be surprised if Richie James replaces Pettis against the Cardinals. I think Pettis is is slowly, I mean, especially from Shanahan's point of view, I think he's starting to grind on Shanahan a, a bit, I think, now. Um, he's, he's, he has his moments, but I think his, his down moments and his drop catches, I think, are getting the better of him now. Um, and I agree with you. I, I don't think we're going to see Pettis there in 2020. Yeah. Shanahan has apparently lost patience with Pettis and has given an interview basically saying Pettis hasn't taken the opportunities given to him, therefore those opportunities will diminish. I mean, it's a shame because he showed so much potential, but when you watch him, he just doesn't look like he has the toughness to play in the NFL. He, he Especially gets... when he's in our division. I mean, the yeah. division, 
you, you've got to be able to step up in our division, I think. I mean, we're, we're one of the... Personally, I think we're very close to the hardest division in the NFL. Um, you know, it's never a walk in the park for us, uh, for any of the teams in, in the West. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Pettis is maybe suited a bit, I don't know, east side. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit softer over there. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we do release him or if they'll try and trade him first. But if yeah. they can't trade him and they cut him, it wouldn't surprise if the Patriots pick him up and he ends up being a fantastic receiver. But he's just More not doing like it for the 49ers. No. I, I say, I think he's not, he looked possibly suitable for the team, um, but the last couple of performances have, have been far off par, I think, for for us. And like you say, I think definitely a trade option would be nice, um, even if it's for maybe a couple of picks in the draft. I don't know. Um it would be nice to try and fill the hole, though, definitely, if he don't... Well, when, I think it is now, when he does go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think... I can't remember if it was in the game day thread, and I posted something about Des Bryant, saying Des Bryant uh, doesn't look too bad at this this particular moment yeah. in time. And yeah. it was kind of half tongue-in-cheek, but also half thing, and you know what? He's got good hands. Let, let, let's... Not talk about the, uh, the the drop in the game against Green Bay, but he's got good hands. And yeah. Surely, if he's fit enough, he's worth looking at because of because of where we are. We definitely want the postseason because we. we... I, I, yeah, we're, we're, we're. I think we'd be silly to not think we're guaranteed postseason. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. I mean, we, but uh, eight on one, halfway through the season, we've got a hard run coming up. Definitely, um, Cardinals next week. Well, this week, sorry. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, yeah, we are guaranteed. But at the same time, what could it, as long as we can get him on a decent deal, what harm is there of trying to get him in? Yeah, that's what I think as well. You, you may as well kick the tyres on him. I, I, he got this reputation for being a diva, but he only got that reputation once he left the Cowboys. Yeah. So I, I thought mean, that well, was quite well, strange. It's not like the Niners aren't used to divas. Yeah. Well, yeah, to <laughs> you. Yeah. And they, they have their moments of, of, of absolute greatness. I mean, you look at the likes of uh, Crabtree, you know, yeah. one of the most really hated players in the NFL because of his attitude and everything else. And he did come with a bit of baggage, obviously, was, um, with issues there. Um, Olden Smith, again, one of the biggest disappointments that his career and his life went down the road that it did um but a massive diva you know thankfully we've got no divas as big as cam newton i i can't be dealing with that stuff yeah yeah i I mean we're we're used to divas we're used to the big personalities um you look at bowman look at willis you know it's they're big personalities in in different ways but I, i reckon we could harness that that deaveridge, if you like, of of Dead Bryant. We can get him on side, get him on the team. I think he's got a lot of people he can work well with there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Right, so I've got one more, one more negative that I want to okay. want to discuss. So I thought all three returning players looked quite rusty, and that's just to be expected. But maybe you question the decision to start them this week against our nearest division 
rival rather than giving them an extra week practice. However, you can also use the same argument as to why you did start them this week. Yeah, I, I've got it in my notes. Uh, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinsley a bit too early. Um, I mean, they were declared fit for last week's game. Yeah, um, that's right. And, and we sat them down then. Uh, I, I think it was too soon. I, I really do. I mean, you had Joe Staley coming off of a break. Um, I can't remember McGlinchey's injury. Was that ankle? I'm not sure if it was ankle or knee. I can't remember. Um, I mean, Joe Staley coming off, uh, effectively, it was an arm break, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, you know, these, these guys aren't, you know, we look at them as superheroes, um, but they are human. And when you're playing such a high-contact sport and in such a position like those guys do, I think... 96% fit isn't good enough. I think you need to be 100% fit. And going up against the, our biggest rivals in the division and possibly the league, um, you know, I, I, I do think it was a little bit too early. Uh, Joe Staley didn't look as as agile as he usually does. Um, and McGlinchey was getting, you know, circles run around him a couple of times. I, I think I did see a a play where they slowed it down when McGlinchey got beat and he was looking around. Yeah. You know, at the person that had just got past him. You know, it's like that that's not the McGlinchey of old. <laughs> or of a couple of weeks ago, you know, pre injury. Yeah. And to make matters worse, George Sealy came out of the game with a broken finger. And if this requires surgery, he could miss another two or three games. Yeah. So <laughs> again it's it's a double-edged sword for him. I mean, he's he's a massive, important part of our defensive line. Massive. Offensive uh, line. Sorry, offensive line. Yeah. Um, massive part. But for him to... I didn't realise he came away with a finger injury as well. Yeah, broken finger, unfortunately. <laughs> Strap it up. <laughs> Strap I'll, it up. Or cut back. it off. <laughs> yeah, either way, you got nine left. Crack on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So that's. Do you have any more negatives, or do you want to move on to um, positives? I, the only ones I've got, um, the, just a couple of the controversy bits and bobs, uh, the coin toss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so dubbed as hails. Yeah. So I, I actually, so I saw that uh, one, one of my friends on Facebook posted that, and yeah. I listened to it, and I, I, I just like laughed about it. But then I went onto the game pass. And I actually yeah. recorded the game pass, uh, the coin toss off game pass, which I'm expecting not to have been doctored. And right. it, it's very, very close. The first time I heard it, I was convinced he said tails. So was I was I. convinced. But then I, I heard it again. I thought, no, he definitely said heads. And I rewatched it again. No, it was definitely tails. So yeah. then I started watching his mouth. And the motion of his mouth was more aligned to saying heads. Than tails, yeah. because your mouth makes a different yeah. shape. And I thought, yeah. oh, it was definitely heads, but I can understand why there's been so much controversy about it. It's I, I don't know. I I think the easiest way to get people to get a, an idea um, to try and solve the problem is to get people that aren't expecting to hear anything else. You know, is just give it to a complete random person that doesn't watch the NFL, just play the clip and say, what does he say, heads or tails? And see what they say, because I mean, you know, we're we've got it in our heads now that he said something different to what he said, and everybody's hearing 
something different because they want to maybe. Um, but that was that was the one little controversy. I, I don't know whether it would have made a difference. I mean, so we I, all... I would say no because no. We, we had two shots at um, scoring. They had three shots at scoring. So it's not as though they won the game on the first possession. So no. I would have said it made no difference whatsoever. No. Um, but the other one, and this one is niggling me, and it has been since the, since the game, was that first down that we weren't given. Yeah, that um, was a pretty poor spot, that. It was a very poor spot because he saw him roll onto his back. Yeah. And he was still on top of another player. And there was no visible sign of any knee or shoulder or elbow going down to ground. Yeah. And I think that would have made a difference. That would have made a massive difference on that on that overtime run-up. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I think you're right. It would have. I, the problem is, I mean, the annoying thing is as well, is they're all reviewed, aren't they? Everything, it, it would have been reviewed. It would have been looked at in New York as well. I think all decisions go via New York, don't they, in overtime? Yeah, they do. But I think the problem with it is it's, it's still not conclusive proof of where the ball was. And no. that's why it always goes to the field decision. But yeah. the, the annoying thing was, the first official that ran in gave us the right spot. The yeah. second official that ran in gave us a completely different spot. How did they decide between the pair of them? Because they both had exactly the same view, because they were both their line judges, um, yeah. sideline judges. How, how did they work out who's right and who's wrong? Yeah. It's... Because, I mean, they both thought they saw something that they didn't. We've got so many rules in place for whether it be quarterback protection, pass interference, pass interference challenging, all this sort of stuff. Um, and I remember when Navarro Bowman did his ACL um, on the turnover uh, two, three seasons ago, um, and they brought a law in or a, a ruling um, for all turnovers will be reviewed. Yeah. Um, but I think vital decisions like this i think you know all over time regardless of of field decision i think you know they're only human they can get stuff wrong so i think they need to bring something in place um whether it be just for overtime you know we're used to the nfl taking longer than it says <laughs> yeah yeah you know so I think for overtime decisions, especially overtime decisions, I think everything, if there's any doubt, it should go through um, through New York. And regardless of what the on-field call is, if there is a discrepancy between two lines judges or, you know, then the decision lies with, with New York. Um, you're only going to get one lines judge looking like an idiot and one lines judge looking like a hero. Yeah. Um, we had that, but that was of a decision from not the highest authority, if you like. Yeah. Um, but that, 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 that was the only real niggle. Um, the, like I say, the coin toss, comical. The first down of a a bit of pill to swallow I think because yeah. I think if we got that first down we could have moved upfield another even if it was just four or five yards just to make that final kick you know a little bit easier yeah you're not wrong okay so over to the positives okay do you want to go first um yeah I, 
we lost by three points with yeah. five seconds to go. You know, we were short of Sanders as of the end of the first half. We didn't have Kittle starting for us. Um, you know, other injuries. Who else did we? I mean, well, we had Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey coming back a little bit rusty, but they did a decent enough job to an extent. Um, who are our other injuries? Blair, Staley, Sanders, um, linebacker whose name I can't remember. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Give away 21 unanswered points to bring it back to 24 apiece to then lose by three points with five seconds to go. Yeah. I, I think we should be quite happy, to be honest. Um, bring back Kittle, have a fully fit Sanders. We've won that game. Yeah. We have won that game. Um, oh, and Gould, obviously. Um, Gould's had a couple of off days in the past. But again, if he was there, I think he would have made that 47-yarder. Um, it's not that bad. I, th I think we needed a loss to bring us back down to earth. Um, you know, 8-0. You saw these stats coming up on, on the... Um, on Sky Sports, on the on the Fox feed, I think it was, yeah. saying how um, only 16 teams have gone 8-0, eight of those have made it to the playoffs, and only four of those have won Super Bowls. And I remember putting up on the thread, you know, oh, forget about 8-0, what about 9-0 teams? Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm still proud of the boys. We massively hard battle on, you know, a... a a lot of key players either being out injured or not a hundred percent to lose to our arch rivals by three points for five seconds to go. I've got no problem with that to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, I think although I wish I hadn't, I wish it hadn't have been the, the Seahawks that beat us. hundred percent. But I think <laughs> that, that defeat kind of takes the pressure off a little bit of being a, an undefeated team, which yeah. always builds up in people's mind. Now that we're not an undefeated team, I think the pressure is going to be off a little bit. Um, I just wish it hadn't have been the Seahawks that beat, beat us. But also, because it was so close, I, I think arguably we were still the better team. I think we were. I mean, yeah. we, we lost to a field goal. You know, <laughs> you know, it's the it's the, it's a horrible way of losing. I mean, we could have lost to a safety, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a bit more embarrassing. Uh, but, but well, I mean, losing to a field goal five seconds ago is not embarrassing at all. Um, we we've still got a long way to go, and I think this will give us the motivation and come back angry. You know, I mean, when you're eight and zero, you've probably got this thing in the back of your mind. It's like, oh, this is easy. You know, we're we're gliding along. We had a little bit of a hiccup against the Cardinals the week before, but you know, we sorted ourselves out and got that sorted. Um, and you know, maybe the the confidence was too much. So you know, a, a little loss, albeit to the Seahawks, um, and it is a little loss. I'll, I'll say it again: three points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we still look good. You know, we looked a little bit rusty in areas, but I, I think, you know, we're, we're making postseason. It's not going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to get that first week by because obviously we had a bye week. Was week four this year or week three? That's right. It was week four. 
Yeah, week four. Sounds and now early. we've got to hit 12 weeks straight. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you got bye weeks coming in now halfway through the season. And that's that's the perfect bye week, isn't it? It's week eight. It is, yeah. Week eight, yeah. week nine. It's your perfect bye, seat, uh, your bye week. Um, so, you know, otherwise we're looking at playing solid for the next, uh, where are we, eight, nine, ten weeks? Yeah. To go. You know, yeah, it's um, all the way. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it would be nice to win the division, get the bye into the playoffs. That would be lovely. But if not, you know, we get to see him on telly more. We get to see more games. If we don't get a bye, we got one more game than we should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, um, I've got a few positives. So Fred Warner, I thought played lights out. He came away with two sacks, nine tackles, one assist. Two tackles for loss. The 49ers defense now has three plus sacks in six consecutive games for the first time since weeks 7 to 13 in 1997. Wow. I thought Mosley and Sherman both made excellent plays to break up passes. I thought they were unbelievable players to get the hand in there and get that ball away. Drake Greenlaw, take a bow, son. Oh. I thought he was excellent deputising for Alexander, and that interception shows he should actually replace Pettis or Goodwin as a wide receiver. His hands were unreal. They were. <laughs> and to think we were all worried about our pass coverage with Alexander being out, and I thought Greenlaw just played out of his skin. Unbelievable game for him. I genuinely don't think we've got any worries defensively. No, I, 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 I genuinely don't. I mean, that it, it was solid, absolutely solid. I mean, they, they scored two of their touchdowns off of um, Garoppolo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're right. Or, you know, or as a result of, of an offensive play. Um, they they couldn't break us. They really couldn't. Um, it was our offense that let us down. But the defensive line, we've got no worries there at all, I don't think. Yeah, we haven't we haven't at all. The funny thing is, I mean, we've just had our first loss there, and and I I take a lot of um, information off uh, PFF, who right. do all the the gradings for for each different game, each different player, and the day after when they released the grades post the Forty ers Seahawks game, basically all of the San Francisco defenders actually increased their grades after a loss. They played that well. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows you how, yeah. It just shows you how good they are. If that doesn't give you confidence in our team, I mean, I've always been a firm believer that defense wins games. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think moving forward now, um, iron out some creases in the offense, and they are just creases; they're not cracks. Yeah. Um, maybe the the exception to Pettis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one other positive, um, I've definitely got him down as a positive. So I, I thought the kicker did well, other than what could have oh. been a game-winning field goal in overtime. I mean, only four days ago, he was out of work. He's made yeah. kicks from 49, 43, and 47 yards. The, the missed overtime kick was also from 47 yards. Yep. But when he was on the San Diego Chargers roster early on in the season, I think he made six out of nine kicks. And the three he missed were all between 40 and 50 yards. And he's yep. gone off there, and the very first three kicks he's done are all between 40 and 50 yards, and he's made them all. So I thought he did excellent. Obviously, the overtime kick, that, that was a terrible kick, but 
he's come in. He's a rookie. We've took him off the street because he didn't have yep. a team. It was a high pressure game, prime time TV, and I thought he did excellent for for what we needed at the time. Obviously, he did needed. his job. I mean, yeah, he, he, he <laughs> the last kick, okay, but, I, but that can also go back to field position. I, you know, yeah. And that's not on him. Uh, that's on the offense. But then we can also roll that back to the positioning of the first down. Hundred um, percent. I mean, I I want him kept on the roster. I mean, Gould is well up until three games ago. He had I think the, one of the best kicking ratings or percentages in the league. Um, and then he had a couple of mishaps and a couple of misses that wasn't expected of him admittedly. Um, but no, he, he needs to stay. He needs to stay a, a red and gold niner. He has to stay with us. He's not going to be expensive. <laughs> he, he's not, but th- there's no way a team's going to carry two kickers. Um, however, with him being a rookie, I think he can go down under our practice squad. But again, is that the type of player that you want on your practice squad? Because you only have a limited amount of uh, spots on your practice squad. I would expect that we're just going to cut him as soon as goal is... Injury free again. That's it's, that's going to be a bit of a pill to swallow, I think, uh, for him and and me personally. You know, it's, yes, it is a lot to carry a, a backup kicker, but what's to say that that performance, that sole performance um, on Monday night, is not going to be enough for another team in the NFL to to snap him up? You know, if I, I can't put <laughs> yeah the Chicago Bears. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't surprise us. I I think it would be a case of let's, if they can, let's try and keep him so nobody else can have him. You know, at least if we can keep hold of him for the remainder of the season. You know, yeah. The the problem we've got is the cap hit that we're going to take on uh, Robbie Gould because obviously we franchise tagged him. I can't see us cutting him as soon as he is fit. He will come straight back into the team. Uh, We'll we'll cut the young lad and. We'll take a chance, see how it goes. Well, hopefully for him, for what he did for us on Monday night, regardless of the miss, I hope he has a good career in the NFL. I hope somebody picks him up and, and takes him on. Yeah, yeah. He put himself in the shop window, that's that's for sure. Definitely, yeah. It was a very big shop window to put himself in. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any more positives? I, I, I keep on going back to the three points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, understand I, that. I, you know, I was positive the game thread and the game and everything. I was positive all the way through, constant positive, positive, positive. And as bitter pill as it was to swallow for losing the game, I'm, I'm still, you know, I've still got masses of faith in this team, the coaching staff. Um, Garoppolo will come back. You know, he, he, that's. I think that's going to be his low point of the season. Um, and if it's halfway through, then that's good. We've got the Seahawks again on week 17 for a bit of retribution. Um, and, uh, you know, I I think overall, I don't think the result reflected the entirety of the game. Um, I don't believe in when people are saying we got what we deserved and stuff because the way we came back in that fourth quarter, we deserved to win the game. But yeah. unfortunately, the, the game is over. Well, in this case, five quarters. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think all in all, for me, 
again, whether it be a little bit naive or over positive. Overall, I think we have more positives to take away than negatives. Um, the Emmanuel Sanders injury, I mean, I, I think it's rib cartilage, I think it was. It is. It's rib cartilage and he's day-to-day for Sunday's game against the Cardinals. I mean, that's that's all right, that's all right for me. You know, again, I, I'm, I'm good enough with that. Um, Kittle should be back by then. I bet he was itching to get on. Yeah, he was um, quite animated up in the stands. He was. Well, he's animated in game, isn't he? He is. He's yeah. going to when he sat up. I was. I was a bit disappointed to see him sat up in the box. I would have liked to have seen him down on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, like I say, I, I'm confident. You know, this is it's a small glitch um, in the 16 games. Um, Cardinals on Sunday. I think that's a 20 past one game. No, that's uh, just after nine o'clock. That that's not a. Oh, is it a nine? Yeah, yeah, that's not a late oh. one. That one. Oh, happy days. <laughs> yeah, um, you're fine with that one. Yeah. I think that's a five past nine. Actually, uh, my job will be safe then on the Monday. That's all right. <laughs> um, no, like I say, I overall we weren't half bad. Again, once again, three points, five seconds to go. You know, I, Niners are going to do this. I think. Right, thank you very much, Jay. Mate, you're more than welcome. Okay, so we've got some scheduling news, which I'm sure everybody's already aware of. Um, oh, the, yes. The, the Packers game has been flexed to a 20 past one UK time kickoff for week 12. This I'm actually yep. happy about because I've always wanted to see an evening game at Levi's and as has, as chance would have it, that's the one I'm going to be going to this year. So I'm happy with that. And we've also had the Rams game in week 16 being flexed into a Saturday night game. Although oh, it's still... Well, well, is it though? Really? Because it's actually well. still technically a Sunday because it's going to be a quarter past one in the morning kickoff. So that's another late night oh, one. Yeah. But no work on the Sunday for some. That's right. At least you've got... Uh, well, people who don't <laughs> work Sundays, at least you've got the Sunday to recover. Yeah. So both of these games being flexed bodes quite well for anyone or everyone that's going to the Saints game meetup on the 8th of December in Edinburgh, as this game is likely to be broadcast on Sky with a 6 o'clock kickoff now. So I'm definitely happy about that. So the week after I get back from San Francisco, I'll go up to Edinburgh for the Saints meetup, and it now looks as though we're going to have the full game live on Sky. So over the moon about that. Perfect. Right, thank you for joining me on the show today, Jay. Jay, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. Uh, first, first experience. Um, I only recently found the group, um, and I'm proud to be a member of it. And this is just a nice little tick in the box to join you, especially for a, a, a review of of the Seattle game. Well, whenever you want to come back, just let us know, and I'll schedule you in for maybe as a preview show next time rather than a review show. That would sound good, mate. I'd enjoy that. Fantastic. Right. Thank you to all of our listeners and also thank you to everybody that actually participated in the Game Day thread. To have over 1,100 contributions was fantastic <laughs> in its own right. Never mind for a 1 a.m. game. That, that was just unbelievable. So thank you for that. Um, please remember to like and subscribe and also check out our YouTube channel, which can be found by searching for 49 of Faithful UK. So until Friday, when we will return with a preview of the Cardinals matchup, go Niners.
Good on it. deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick. We're all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.